0: Welcome to the November edition of The Week in Iceland at the Library, coming from the Reykjavík City Library in Kringland, where I'm joined by a small group of volunteer audience members who are going to discuss the topics brought up in this week's The Week in Iceland. Um, I'm doing it slightly different this month. Um, I've cut down the show into bite-sized chunks so that it should be more stimulating for us to listen to. So let's see how it goes. Everyone dig into the coffee and let's begin.
1: Um, I'm interested in this growing population. Um, I had no idea that 27 people moved to Iceland per day during the summer. It seems to tie into some of these other stories that are going on, um, particularly workers' rights and um, sort of wages and entry into the the public sector and then also union wage agreements in the private sector. Um, and the question being how we're going to actually protect those people and see to their welfare and prosperity while they're here. Mm,
0: that's something that comes up again and again, the, the abuse of foreign workers. Um, I don't know if you know anyone that's been in that situation. So this is what it's going to be like. They're sort of one or two minute long little chunks. And I figured a good place to start is um, immigration to Iceland and specifically the uh, workers' rights here, um, because it's a good question. I'm sure we all know someone that's fallen into the trap of working for a terrible employer.
2: So the increase of the populace is 27 people a day, even if someone are leaving. But
3: that, that was during summer months. Uh, no, I just wanted to say yeah. that that uh, was during July, summer months. Uh,
2: are Sorry. they probably leaving
3: now <laughs> when the weather is becoming much... Less <laughs> enjoyable. enjoyable, yeah. <laughs> they might be leaving, but that's that, that's fun. I was, yeah, impressed by the number, like twenty-seven. I, I'm one of them.
4: <laughs> I just read that we have more men in Iceland. Yeah. 10, more. Yes, ten thousand more.
2: Icelandic women have been plagued on the internet by that kind of crackpot theory that. We are in so much need of men that the government is paying men to come marry Icelandic women, which, yeah, that's not a thing. It's never been a thing. And it just, it resulted in a lot of women being kind of sexually harassed on the Internet. Mm. But when that was a, what's it called, like, when that was a trend on the Internet, there were still more men than women in Iceland, so...
3: It, it doesn't sound like a problem. It's just an observation yes, that yeah. it happens. Like, unla- uh, uh, what's it's, it's like? Unlike the rest of Europe, like for example in Russia, it's fifteen percent more women than men. Mm-hmm. So uh, then it's probably not good. I have saw the uh, I've seen the chart uh, recently, and that was kind of probably the only country in Europe uh, that uh, has more men than women. Probably the men from the rest of
2: continental Europe have moved here. <laughs> and also, if some of these men are only coming here and working, and then their future plans are leaving, and maybe they have a family somewhere, so.
4: I have noticed, of course, um, red worker strikes and seen some businesses closed down, uh, big businesses. And um, it's kind of sad when you see go pass by a store you like that seems like a nice place, and it's closed down. I just
5: want to mention one thing about unions, the union's agreement was uh, made decision, I think, uh, January uh, last year. And right now even it's the agreement uh, physically is written. And right now what is hearing, I, I know uh, pilots is striking, uh, the journalists also striking. But, this day, uh, uh, but the agreement written one year ago and right now is happening very slowly actually that comes up in a little bit maybe we'll carry on because that very
0: point does come up yeah.
1: the economy has strangely or the people have strangely sustained themselves despite the downturn there were some interesting um, metrics cited um, low interest rates low debt um, especially low debt coming out of the economic boom where mm. people hadn't maybe, maybe they learned their lesson uh, and didn't invest in large amounts of debt during the i mean during the boom period right that Iceland typically goes through okay.
0: The economy is slowing down, and the crash isn't as bad as anyone feared it might be because we 've got low debt,'ve got low interest rates, and we've got low inflation
5: uh, I have with me a uh, uh, a red tour um, uh, paper that was was made like last week. And one want to comment uh, one thing about statist, statist, statistics. 41% of immigrant job seekers are denied uh, employed uh, within the public sector. Many expresses their interest to work in the public sector. That means a lot of people working in private sector and less people working in public sector. So my question is why?
4: I, I read a very foul report about um, how the Poles are treated, uh, Polish people, um, that sometimes they're not getting paid, they're, they're treated inferior than Icelandic people, and it might deal with um, of what you mentioned of people not being treated well in their work, and then they try to go to um, resources to try to back them up, and people just don't care. So, um, you know, it might have to do with some sort of nationalism where some people like to hire people they know and they don't like to hire um, people from other countries. But I don't have personal experience.
1: Well, I, I work a good job, and I know many people who work very good jobs. And I'm uh, a single-person household. Um, and I find that affording my rent, affording my groceries, and then trying to buy extras on top of that is a real struggle, even with, oh, I would say my wage is slightly, slightly above average, um, I work in the private sector. I
0: think I mentioned the sectors <laughs> there. That's the reason. Yeah. So <laughs> people, people. we have high wages in Iceland, but still it's difficult to live because everything's expensive. It's a fair point, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anyone will argue that it's pretty expensive here. Mm. So and people are, of course, I guess people are choosing private sector because that then the salaries, they do not have some set limits or I'm not very well aware how it works here. Maybe in
2: public sector, it's more regulated. People that work for the cities and the municipalities, they are kind of currently also they're, they're neg- negotiating their, their salaries and have been for the last year or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been... Like, our contract has not been, yeah, so we've just been out of contract for a year or so.
5: So the people who are working in public sector need to wait, like, three or four years (laughs) for negotiations.
0: How does that make people in the public sector feel? Do you feel like you're you're missing out on what other people are getting, or is life just normal?
2: It's just life.
0: Yeah, Okay. (laughs)
2: Still,
3: I think that working for public sector, I don't know, the, the, the general attitude, it's kind of probably more a stable job uh, than a pri- private. Anything can happen to a private company. And uh, when, when you work for a public sector, you sort of know that tomorrow you come and your job will be there.
4: Mm.
3: Maybe it, it can also work.
4: You know, individually, somebody doesn't do any anything until people get together and they do some sort of strike and that's how they voice their frustration.
5: Uh, I just want to add that uh, the people who is in, char- in charge in the municipalities, the people is electing these people, and these people is responsible for these people who is in Alfingi in munici- municipalities. And in general, uh, Iceland have no long-term vision for t- 10, 20, or 30 years, like our Scandinavian countries.
4: I think it has to do with the fact that they don't have long-term um, vision because they are not in the long-term vision. They are there mostly temporarily until they get voted out or until they decide to leave. So they don't care about n- the long run. They don't care about stability. And they definitely don't care about anybody else.
0: The head of the economics department at Landsbanking said it was unprecedented that Iceland, Icelandic growth periods usually always end in a catastrophe of some sort, and this time it hasn't happened. (coughs) Is that uh, (laughs) over-optimism, or...?
3: (laughs) It sounded very optimistic.
5: (laughs) But he's got a point, though, hasn't he, at the same time? Arian's bank uh, laid off, I don't know, like 50 or 70 people. 80. So for me, it means something that is going some kind of inside things. I
2: mean, this is the biggest year for haven't we had the most layoffs this year since the collapse? So that kind of, maybe that somehow is meant to ease the fall because these have been in kind of big companies usually.
3: uh,
2: I think that uh, Iceland's
3: economy is uh, dependent on the rest of the world. Uh, So uh, it can't be like Iceland only crashes or the recess is slow, it's like uh, whatever happens in, I don't know, the United States or in the European Union, that would definitely influence Iceland.
5: But we need to be more sustainable. Regarding the uh, um, world's economy and everything, there are all kinds of different factors.
3: Yeah, I think in the modern global world and global economy, it's virtually impossible to be self-sustainable and to rely only on one's own resources.
0: Pilots for Air Iceland Connect are not going to work any overtime or any extra shift. Um, That's what they're doing. And the journalists as well Mm -hmm. are going to go on strike this Friday Mm -hmm. for the first time. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean uh, the head of the journalist union says that journalists are the lowest paid university educated sector in Iceland.
1: I've heard it before. Um and actually two of my poetry colleagues <laughs> uh left the either left a particular news outlet um or they left the business entirely. One of them was working as a freelancer and was essentially offered um, pennies Mm. for her work um, for hours and hours of research and effort and never actually recovered that money. Um, And so she moved to a better company um, where she ended up with a contract. The other one just really got fed up um, and advised me actually at one point against... Uh, attempting to go into journalism here. My background is also in also in journalism.
0: So, do we feel sorry for journalists?
4: Uh, I, I personally do. Um, I'm a big fan of Anderson Cooper, and um, I've seen that he used to put his life on the line uh, reporting some things. Um, and journalists tend to really care uh, um, locally of spreading the news as much as possible, whereas... Um, In certain countries, it's like completely led by the leaders and um, fictionalized and corrupted. Um, I care for the honest journalists. The question is, you know, how many are there?
3: Oh, well, I think that journalists, they do have a point because in like, uh, in the modern world, information, it's the most expensive thing that we can have. It's like all the money com- comes from information, all knowledge, everything. So it's a very important job, and it's always been, but it, it's becoming more and more important. So that there is a point in striking, they should earn probably more.
5: It is a very big topic because uh, the journalism by itself, it's big bastion for people because the journal, journalism gives uh, freedom for people to hear the news. Doesn't matter what kind of news, but it is uh, freedom of free world. Of world.
4: Uh, to th- come to think of it, uh, journalism uh, must be very important. Um, how do you keep the free world accountable? Um, if we have no news to report, who criticizes? the politicians, or the leaders, or the bad moves they make. Um, where do we go for answers? Who expresses our views? W- without these uh, free rights of uh, free voices, we are pretty much nothing.
0: And on the subject of journalists in Iceland specifically, um, I don't know, do we feel that the society values them enough, or, or certainly their employers, are they being paid enough? That's the, the key question on the table.
4: If they're not getting paid enough, I think that answers the question. Until we don't have it, until we lose it, then we feel the burn of the of the value that they they held.
6: I value journalists as a public service, and therefore they should be paid equivalent to um, such a such a role as as requires us to rely on them. And um, if they're happy, then they'll give us good news.
0: (laughs) Hopefully, that's a good point about trust yeah. like if they're underpaid will they do their jobs well enough to be i mean they should do of course it's an ethical matter right.
1: but i agree yeah mm-hmm.
4: I, I wanted to add a substance that conflicts with them is that we live in a, a facebook youtube world and people are doing so many soft journalizing um, blogging videotaping audio taping photographs that it, they are competing with them and they are destroying their, their value. So it's very difficult when what you say, 20 people are saying it, and somebody might not like you and they might go to another source, and it devalues that channel.
5: But the thing is, like all uh, I know about, um, about Iceland case, but more or less all uh, like, uh, journalist uh, organizations or private sectors are very depending from a government. And if a journalist is criticizing the government, they may not give enough funds to them. So they are not criticizing. So I think it's a big topic uh, how to be more independent.
4: Yeah, um, that's another thing. Uh, censorship. Um, you know, it's very difficult for you to bite the hand that feeds you. So if you're getting tax breaks or being fed by the government, I've seen things where they completely take down a special criticism of a special politician because they have that power. And then questions what is free press. Independent journalism is extremely expensive, and they, it cannot be afforded.
1: I mean, it's intellectual labor, and you should be paid for the amount of time that you put into something um, and somehow also measure the amount of effort that you put into it. and if that's not being taken into account and if it's not even really being acknowledged, um, that then I believe in you know civil disobedience in um, driving someone to listen by basically not going to work for a couple of hours for a couple of days. I mean that really doesn't seem mm. it really uh-huh. doesn't seem like the harshest punishment um to hold somebody to account in that way but hopefully it's it's enough.
3: Uh I wonder whether it should be something different other than strike for journalists like because when when an airline goes on strike like the all the whole world knows it but then the journalists don't work for a couple of days like no one notices it. Uh, probably they will <laughs> but not to that extent. So maybe journalists have to think of some other way to Express their opinion and that they are not fully content with what's going on?
0: <laughs> well, they have powerful media at their fingertips, <laughs> yeah. literally, don't they? Oh, yeah. They could. Yeah.
2: Just all that's in news today
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> the story about Freya uh, Haraldsdottir was a good one last week because it stimulated debate, as I know she wanted it to. So, five years ago, she applied to become a foster parent. And she was not accepted onto the course for prospective foster parents. She took that decision to court, saying it was discrimination mm-hmm. because she's disabled.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's won now because it's gone to the appeals court and she's won. There is certainly a question of if she would be able to take care of a child or not. Mm-hmm. And whether she was just poking at the system, to quote directly, she said no, she wasn't. It was, it was an important matter for other people beside herself and that this sets a precedent for other disabled people in the future, Mm -hmm. I guess.
1: I mean, yeah, I am in total agreement. (laughs) Um, I I think that she really went out on a wing to establish, I mean, again, establish a precedent so that people with disabilities are not rejected out of hand, especially for a course that gives them the opportunity to learn about being a foster parent, to learn about what it will be like, um, what the duration will be. that's it. That's, it's, it seems like an odd thing to. It seems like an odd action to take um, to not even sort of give someone the opportunity to educate themselves ahead of time.
5: I don't know this woman personally, and in this case. But as Alex mentioned, is very huge um, topic for discussion about disabled people, and I think that um, Freya Freya brings this on the surface for disabled people, it's uh, very important. Uh, uh, why it's important? Because it's not only one case, there are like probably hundreds of cases. And from my personal experience, like a uh, habitant of uh, Iceland, I don't see these people in my society in public places. The question is why?
4: So I went to an activity and there was a disabled woman and she voiced she expressed that she, the idea that there is help is very promoted, but it's like a superficial, on the surface. Um, she said that she has gone to many organizations and she named them, and that they give the idea of help, but when she goes there, they don't really give the the help that they, that of the idea they gave her. There's a lot of help promoted, but when you sometimes call the police or call the ambulance or you really need somebody, it's just not there.
0: So is there a lack of understanding of the needs of disabled people? Or just not enough care and effort put in?
6: Um, uh, Coming from Canada, this seems like a really backwards um, place to be sometimes. Simply because we've been managing and dealing uh, with uh, rights like these for decades. So I st- take a step back and I think, I thought this place was very progressive. It, it promotes itself as being very progressive. People seem to think it's progressive, yet this surprises many people. Things like like this news story surprises many people. Um, it just, it kind of floors me, to think that it's just it's, it's a topic that is, uh, you know, all of a sudden just, well, really, wow, how come, you know, so. It, She's definitely setting a precedent, and it's very good for her to do that. But it's not good that it's taking this long to to be recognized. So uh,
5: another thing that I, when I speak with disabled people, uh, they left uh, alone. It seems that I, Icelandic, I know, bodies want to uh, to hide these people, just isolate them, like in special houses, and etc. For me, it's very weird.
4: Uh, voices of Expressions um, is not just a disabled. There is the light on uh, the elderly. There's lots and lots of frustrations on how the elderly um, have been taken care of, w- either by themselves or or relatives that don't like how they're being treated.
1: The Supreme Court decided to accept the appeal request from Bart Vertashtova, the Government Agency for Children's Protection. Yeah. Um deciding that it would have future relevance in clarifying rules in the areas of constitutional law, administrative law, and children's law. And I think this is a theme that we're seeing run through all of these stories, right? That the laws haven't been sort of crystallized enough, The particular matters haven't been examined closely, and then the law has simply not been codified, Um And so it seems completely natural to me that she would want to take this action to force the government to... I mean, to force the government to act. Mm.
0: It's a little bit like what you were saying. Um, Maybe a smaller population, these cases come up less often and therefore it takes longer.
6: It could be. uh, Or it just... People just don't realise that there are many cases and maybe people are just a little intimidated to speak up, um, thinking that, oh, they'll just be... Pushed under the carpet, um, so you know definitely she's she's setting something up here that's really good for for everyone in Iceland affected by discrimination or um, just not being taken seriously.
3: she spoke up to protect those people who probably less disabled than her, but who are afraid and intimidated just to speak up and to ask and to talk about their rights and uh, that's uh, probably when her being like very disabled as as it was put there uh it it really sets the i don't know the standard so like so many more people more disabled people are now feel i think great relief that now they can usually they can use their rights and they can speak up and that's it's very good i really like the story
4: mm. it makes you feel very like a Black sheep to speak out and act turbulent or to express some sort of unhappiness, discontent, failure. It's very difficult for an individual to express the hard times that they go through. And because they feel that people are judging them and not helping them. And because of this, they don't express themselves loudly as they should. They feel maybe swept under the rug.
0: Let's talk about the government quickly, because they got voted in for four years. A lot of people thought they wouldn't make it to four months.
1: And then somehow three parties managed to work together mm. for for like what is it halfway halfway yes. through the term.
0: So two years gone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now I don't know. You wouldn't put money against them making it all the way to four years.
1: It would seem that nothing really terrible has happened.
0: There we go. That's the catchphrase for this show, I which think. Is... <laughs> Nothing terrible has really happened yet. That,
1: that's, yeah, that's the, that's the catchphrase for, for 2019, I think.
0: Um, yeah, touche.
1: It could be worse. <laughs> um,
0: the three parties involved are not as popular now as they were when the election happened. But together, the government itself is roughly as popular as it's always been. About 50% approval, which is pretty high. Yeah. So, I wonder how much of it is them doing a good job, and how much of it is just that things are fairly stable right now. Like you say, could be worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they are. I don't know if they are doing a good job. Katrin mm. um, is popular. She's cool.
0: Okay, that was the end of the recording. Um, does Iceland love Catherine? And then, if so or not, what about her government?
2: I voted for her. And I generally think she tries to do what's best so, and do her job as proficiently as she can. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy when it comes to that.
0: What about
4: her government? Iceland is consistently voted as one of the happiest countries in the world. So if it, the world says it's happy, who are we to say otherwise?
0: This is the first time that a three-party coalition has, has lasted this long quite remarkable, and they do seem to still be kind of friends, don't they?
5: Uh, how in politics it works when three parties come together? All these three parties uh, shared the posts in the parliament, probably. And probably they are happy, and I don't know how long it lasts, because when it will be another election, it will be maybe a different story. Oh, that's for sure. When it's
0: the next election, they'll be fighting Yeah, different platforms.
4: They fight in front of the camera, but have a party
0: every weekend, together. All right, then take bets. Um, two years' time, will 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 they go to the end?
5: I think so, yes, because uh, it shows uh, uh, maternity, um, because they need to do what they promised to people uh, who elected them. So I don't know how it rolls, or, or in better or in worse case, but... I think they will manage to finish their convention. Uh,
3: Well, I'm not quite sure how it works here in Iceland, because I'm new. Uh, But uh, usually, like, the first two years of any government, uh, they are the harshest years, when all are not populistic measures or decisions are taken. And then, so the last two years, they're usually better just for the population, like for the... Uh, reputation of the government, so whatever happens next it might be quite positive for the general public, at least for this like opinion that the public has. I
0: like that, that's a very positive outlook, yeah. Well, then we can leave it there. Um, Thanks for joining me everybody. This has been a great discussion as always, the week in Iceland at the library. We will be back um, on the, yeah, I think it's the 9th of December. Otherwise, I will edit it in. Um, In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Um, Do remember to listen to The Week in Iceland, as usual, next Monday um, and every Monday. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.